Today we bring you part two of a three-part interview with T-Mobile CEO Mike Sievert, where we talk about its progress with 5G. Uh, I want to switch gears a bit. Uh, let's talk about 5G, a topic that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, I want to get a sense uh, what, of what the status is of your 5G rollout so far. Well, we're way ahead of schedule, um, you know, and and that's uh, in part thanks to uh, your good government who accidentally gave us an extra year to plan this merger. <laughs> and so that gave us a little extra time and we've, we've taken advantage of it and come out of the gates, you know, really running. Right now we have mid-band 5G using two and a half gigahertz spectrum running in five of the largest cities in the country, New York, LA, Chicago, Houston, Philadelphia. I mean, that's, that's fantastic. And in, in just a hundred days, we're up and running. And the speeds we're seeing, average speeds when you've got both low and, and mid-band in place of north of 300 megabits per second, 10 times faster than 4G LTE already in the first moments of this 5G uh, revolution that we're building. So now, now get this, OpenSignal just came out with a report and said that T-Mobile customers who have 5G equipment are getting 5G now 23% of the time. And um, the percent of time they're getting 5G on Verizon 0.4% of the time. And it just shows the difference in our strategies. Verizon's been out breathlessly talking about 5G for over two years, while today as we sit here, 0.4% of their customers are attaching to it, um, whereas it's 23% best in the world, as far as we know, at T-Mobile, more than twice the level of AT&T, who a year later is pursuing what was the standalone T-Mobile plan. Essentially, AT&T is now doing what standalone T-Mobile was doing last year, which is rolling out low band, and just they're a year behind. Uh, they've, they've, you know, so. So I'm curious if uh, you have any kind of target for that, for the number of cities uh, that you will end up with, with 2.5, with that sprint spectrum. And you said five so far, what are we looking at for the end of the year? We're reaching right now 225 million people with 5G across the country. Um, so we, you know, again, we rolled all that out last year, the stuff you see AT&T attempting to do this year. And now to your question, we're layering in the mid band and, you know, look, I, I don't have a forecast for you, um, other than, you know, we're going really fast and we're ahead of schedule. We're in the biggest cities in the country already. And those that are experiencing it are experiencing not just marginal changes, but breakthrough 10 times kind of changes. And so, you know, we're at the beginning of this, of this, uh, huge phenomenon. And I think we're all going to look back on it and see that what happened was that T-Mobile got out of the gates quickly and was the first to have game-changing 5G reach people by the tens of millions. And I think it's going to change the competitive landscape in this industry for the next decade. If you go back 10 years to 2010, um, when Verizon came out of the gates strongest and first with LTE, it set the competitive landscape on network and network reputation for the whole decade. That's what T-Mobile is doing for the 5G era right now. And customers are gonna be the ones that benefit for years to come. Well, yeah, I wanna ask about that, because uh, especially back in 2019, when you know your nationwide network launched, Verizon launched their millimeter wave spectrum. Generally speaking, the 5G networks that we saw were either super fast, but really, really limited and not that useful, or they, they were wide reaching in, in your case, uh, but the speed bump wasn't that huge. I'm just curious if, you know, there's a risk that folks have already kind of turned off from 5G because it, it didn't quite meet the hype. And we had years and years of hype over 5G. Uh, and, 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 you know, there were missing ingredients. You know, either there was speed, either it was coverage. Uh, what do you think about that? And sort of the, the fact that the first impression of 5G wasn't 
probably as strong as, as the industry would have liked it. Well, first of all, one of my favorite things about being in a business that serve consumers is that they have an insatiable demand for what we sell. And to me, I, that, I find it gratifying that people found that uh, not enough because it just tells you how much they want what we have and how important it is. What it was was three times better, not 30% better or 40% better, but three times better when we rolled out low band across the country. That's not bad, you know, that's pretty good. Uh, but people want more and that tells you how important this is. Yeah, I think people are wondering when it's coming and when it's gonna be really game changing. And they're starting to see it finally uh, from T-Mobile. Because when you go to New York, LA, Chicago, Houston, Philadelphia right now, you're experiencing the real thing. In New York, we even have millimeter wave in the full layer cake. And you're able to get it as you move through the city, not if you're on the particular you know, corner where the beta testers are supposed to go, you know, to check it out, like with our competitors. Well, that, that's a good segue. The millimeter wave is sort of that last, that's that super fast 5G that Verizon talks about. Where, where are you in terms of that uh, millimeter wave deployment? And how does that play into, you know, the rest of the layer cake across different markets? I know it's in a handful of cities now, but, but what does that look like, uh, you know, over the next coming months? Well, one of the reasons that Verizon constantly talks about millimeter wave is because it's what they've got. And so they're, they're basically talking up their book and I don't blame them. I mean, they've run out of mid-band and low-band spectrum, and all they've got fallow is millimeter wave. And so obviously, they're trying to convince people that it has value. Um, it has value as part of a millimeter wave, mid-band, and low-band layer cake. That's how it works. And we've said that all along, and while they've sort of are finally, slowly, quietly starting to come around to that reality. Um, Listen, if it is about millimeter wave, and of course it matters, people, people don't really know, uh, we have more millimeter wave spectrum than AT&T. I mean, so we're, we're, not, you know, we're not poor with millimeter wave spectrum either, and we'll use it smartly to augment the rest of the strategy. But get this, on low and mid-band, where the 5G game will really unfold, we have nearly three times what Verizon has for a similar size customer base. We have nearly double the spectrum resources in sub six, that's mid-band and low-band, of AT&T for a similar size customer base. So we've got the resources now to change the competitive landscape in this industry to benefit consumers and businesses, and people will be feeling it for the next decade. Well, we'll talk about the consumer adoption side, because obviously we're in an extraordinary situation right now. Folks are out of jobs. 5G is, has traditionally been a sort of premium service. I'm curious what, on, on your end, from your perspective, what 5G adoption looks like right now, particularly where we don't have as many devices. There's some coming in. We're going to see more in the second half for sure. But what, what does adoption look like right now? Yeah, well, on the uh, Android side, it's coming along pretty well because the most of the mainstream flagship devices have had it for a few months, and they've had it in ways that are compatible with our technology. So as we roll it out, you're able to take advantage of it right away. That's why you're seeing 23% of users with a compatible handset already experiencing 5G um, the way we designed it on our network, which is, as I said, as far as I can tell, best in the world availability rates. Um, we need it on all the handsets. And um, according to my contract with Apple, I'm not allowed to comment on whether there would ever be another iPhone, ever because the current iPhone is, of course, the best iPhone ever. Um, and, you know, so I don't, I, I can't speculate, but I sure hope we'll see 5G on iPhones. And if so, that'll be, uh, that'll really complete the picture. And so a dream of ours would be, wouldn't it be awesome if we exited this year with substantially all the flagship 
devices being compatible, not just with 5G, but with our particular approach to 5G, which is low and mid-band centric with millimeter wave where people uh, can benefit from it. Yeah, and I know last year that was sort of the issue, right? Phones coming out did not necessarily have the right radios for your network or Verizon's network. You really had to pick and choose. Uh, so it's good to see that some of these devices are, are, are more compatible. Uh, just lastly on 5G, um, I know it's supposed to play a role in your over-the-top video service. So uh, you've been teasing this for a while. So I'm just curious if there's been any update to this video service or given what's been going on with like the 50,000 streaming services that have launched this year, uh, maybe now this isn't the time for it? Or? Yeah, you know, the, the landscape has changed so much. But the biggest thing that's changed since we started talking about TV is the merger. Um, we started talking about that right around the same time as we um, made our plans to merge and create the new T-Mobile. And the merger sort of changes our strategy a little bit um, on, this, on this front, because what the merger does is it makes us a potential major player in broadband. And therefore, we need a TV solution that's designed to complement our own broadband whereas the solution that we've been working with is designed to be added to a different broadband. And the licensing is different because our broadband is wireless, et cetera. And so we had to rethink the technology and the licensing a little bit based on the merger changing our strategy. And so, but all the dreams and aspirations we have in this haven't really changed that much because what we see here, and this is so different from the others, this proliferation of really cool media options that people have, they're all friends to us. You know, they're all consistent with our strategy and fit in with our strategy because we don't feel like we're competing with OTTs. The cable guys sure do. We don't. We see the OTTs, the over-the-top services, as being complementary. We were the first to integrate the leading one, Netflix, into a mobile offer and caused the rest of the industry to follow suit trying to figure out how to bundle OTT media with wireless. And, you know, we see a lot more opportunity. But the truth is there are things that people want from live television and linear television. And there's some brands out there from the cable world that are not widely available in uh, the OTT world yet. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, cool things we can do in the space. So, you know, stay tuned. But now that the merger's complete, we're probably gonna, you're probably gonna see us put this strategy back on track. That concludes part two of our three-part interview. To check out the final part, we talk about the impact of the coronavirus on T-Mobile. Tune in on Monday. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.